0: This is Plan B, Episode 15, for July 16th, 2013. Welcome to Plan B, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, contemplating the future and present of Bitcoin, with insights for the novice, shop talk for the expert, and opinionated discussion for the interested observer of Bitcoin and related technologies. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is my co-host, Drew. Hey, Drew, welcome back. Hey, thanks. What's up? Hey, so uh, big show today. Oh, really? No, not really. Well, I'd say medium-sized show today. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to chatting about um, some insights that I gleaned from the, uh, remember the London Bitcoin conference we covered a couple of weeks ago? Yes, sir. A bunch of really smart guys who are uh, kind of making a name in Bitcoin right now sat down and had a great conversation. So I pulled some clips from that. So we're going to do that later on in the show. And then also there's some important news. One of our favorite Bitcoin resources has been infected with malware, and we're going to have a conversation and a discussion around that, truth. So some good stuff for people to catch up on. And then we're going to have a little talk about uh, some stages that Bitcoin is entering. Some new stages. Oh. Yeah. So it should be a good show. And I was pretty fired up on the live stream today, but on the pre-show, because, <laughs> you know, big, uh, the, the big show here, Plan B, live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific over at jblive.tv. And to settle down, Drew, I have right here, I've gotten myself a half <sighs> of wow. Yeah, Yeah. So I will be drinking this during this episode of Plan B. That way I can relax a little bit. Oh, good. And I figured we- if I'm going to have a brew, I don't know, do you have anything available to you over there? I uh, just,
1: well, just some water right now.
0: Uh-huh. Water. Uh-huh. Sure, I'm, I'm kind of sweating it up in here. That's what know. we'll call you it. Know how water. Oh, yeah. It's like super hot where you're at. That's only 92. I'm wearing pants today, so we're okay.
2: <laughs> okay, good, <cool>, Drew.
0: All right. <laughs> well, sure. Let's start with the feedback, and uh, we got some good ones this week, and uh, then we'll, uh, we're will we going to do a little follow-up on your uh, Bitcoin uh, block eruptors. Oh, yeah. Like cool. that. All right. So Jack, Jack writes and he says, hey there, Drew and Chris. I have a family member who is an older conservative investor, and I've tried to introduce them to Bitcoin. However, they've only ridiculed Bitcoin and tell me that buying Bitcoin is like buying air and that Bitcoin has no inherent value and Bitcoin is a fraud, etc., etc., etc. How do I explain the inherent value of Bitcoin to someone who is a conservative investor and doesn't really understand the crypto behind Bitcoin? Thanks.
1: I would think an investor would, would you know, be sympathetic to the idea of scarcity, increasing the value of something. So I think that because, you know, of course, Bitcoin doesn't have inherent value, which inherents would be, you know, you can actually convert it into some physical metal that you could utilize or whatever, like precious metals and all that. But scarcity is another aspect of the Bitcoin that that gives it, you know, it's a significant factor for giving its value, I think.
0: Right. Scarcity and and that each one is individual and unique. Uh, I would, though, sort of rewind and zoom out and say, Jack, this is probably not the right person. Uh, you want somebody who's definitely not risk adverse to invest in Bitcoin because there's nothing about Bitcoin that is um not risky. Everything exactly. about Bitcoin is risky, right? It's a it's a I mean, like, you know, Drew and I were on the show a week ago, two weeks ago, talking about how we bought at what, like the low 90s, and at the time it was down in the low eighties, right? And right. Bitcoin's constantly fluctuating. Now we're sitting here doing the show current Gox price, $97 US. It goes up and down like crazy. And if you have a weak stomach or if you're a conservative investor, it will drive you nuts to see that. I don't recommend it for anybody like that. In fact, I barely recommend it for people who like a little risk.
1: Oh, exactly. Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend you know investing like to anybody with, with bitcoins and all that. Just, yeah, just exactly what you said—the volatility aspect—and the conservative investors are not going to want to be you know seeing you know their their ten percent of the value just drop in one day like that.
0: And it's never a good idea to put all of your investment eggs. And I'm nobody. Don't take any investment advice from me. Even this advice. Don't take that advice or this advice that you you never want to put all your eggs in one basket and i think bitcoin will play a role as sort of a digital commodity that is precious just like silver and gold can and the other metals bitcoin will also play that role but that is for a market who is a little more savvy and kind of sees the inherent value in having a money system that is designed for the internet that is purely digital and if you if you don't appreciate the, the fundamental quantum shift in what that brings, then Bitcoin's probably not the right commodity for you to invest in. But that doesn't mean there aren't other things that person could invest in. Yeah, I agree. And you could always say, hey, go over to Coinbase. Buy a couple of these things. Just get a couple. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. So you happens. can actually purchase something with it. So you can actually or, utilize it. Or to be honest, now Jack, I don't know if this is an option because you know it's not like it's totally cheap. But I was thinking um, it would maybe make a good gift for my dad one day. I I think I'd want to get them like an actual coin, though. I know I've talked about this before on the show, like before Mm. Father's Day, but I I think that's another way is once somebody has a Bitcoin, they become much more interested in actually following Bitcoin because all of a sudden they have a reason to. And when you give them a coin, you say, here's a coin. It was 90 bucks. And then when you come back next Christmas (laughs) or next birthday or next Father's Day, whatever it is, and it's worth 200 bucks, maybe, then you can really have a conversation around that, you
1: know? It might be the best way to help somebody, you know, be open to the possibility of looking at Bitcoin a little more deeply, right? Yeah, yeah. You give them a little bit, and then they see that it's increased in worth. I'm like, oh, this is this is, ah,
0: rather interesting. Hey, Let me man, check this that's, out. that's how I got my wife interested as I bought her too. two. You know, I was back when they were like 40, and she thought that was great. And to her, it, it was totally play money. And then as the value started to go up, she started to see, you know, oh, it's a little more serious about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it works. But then, you know, you got to buy the Bitcoin. And then at that point, you probably just rather buy it for yourself, right? You're right. We're going to talk more about buying Bitcoin later on in the show, but we got to get to Joey's email first. Joey writes in, he says, uh, This was a text message? Yep. Was this like a lot of text messages that you had to compile? Um, Only four. Okay. Okay. Uh, he, <laughs> you he know says, how our guys
1: are. <laughs> he
0: says, It seems to me that it would be possible for the U.S. government to gain control over the Bitcoin network by creating an online wallet. This wallet would only send coins to other U.S. approved wallets and could accept coins from unapproved wallets. People could be lured in with their higher values and regulated coins. Uh, the effect would be a walled-off ecosystem that could be regulated and controlled. I know this could be a dangerous idea, but is it worth thinking about? Thanks, guys. Joey.
1: Uh, well, I still don't like the whole use of the word regulation because nobody uh, defines it um, anywhere. You know, like you, this guy or anybody else or Joey or whatever. Uh, I mean... I guess they can kind of, he's saying that they can kind of co opt it. Is like the way that I would think about it, if this were to be done, is they would have, you know, an address here and they'd have an address that was unique and registered to individuals. And you can, you know, you get some, I guess, greater degrees of protection. I guess it was implied. The only
0: way that could work, because what he's saying is that you'd have these US based wallets and they would only be allowed to send to other US based wallets, right? But Mm -hmm. if you're using Bitcoin and and the Bitcoin protocol, you're restricted
1: from going outside of the system.
0: Yeah, every wallet out there, every, every, Download a wallet on every computer, on every Android device, on, on every server would have to would have to support some sort of additional code that allowed them to somehow Hey, how would you even allocate these Bitcoin addresses to the US? And these I, I don't even it seems impossible because people can generate a Bitcoin address right. at will. It, it it's it's impossible. This is yeah. this is impossible. Right, right. Which is great. <laughs> Joey. I mean, that's, that's great, right? It's, it's, it, you think about some of the things that Satoshi figured out um, w- seem so simple at their first pass. But then when you go down thinking about the ramifications of some of those early decisions, you see how brilliant those decisions were. Like, like this example is, it, it's just people are constantly every week coming up with new scenarios on how the US government could take over Bitcoin, right? Would you agree we get an email at least one or two every week?
1: Right, right. And we, and we can't really, because I mean, they can't do it, they can't do it like in this example, inclusively, like you're not going to be able to co-opt a Bitcoin the entire, the entire thing and regulate it in any kind of way. People will be able to jump in and jump out of, if they have their own wallet and, you know, registered addresses or whatever, you can jump in and utilize those I mean, they then kind of co-opt that portion of the Bitcoin network, but they're not going to be able to co-opt the entire thing. And you're still going to be able to exit, you know, exit their little scenario that they could possibly build. I, I don't put much credence into that, but yeah. So these are all different th- different things that we're evaluating. And it's like, well, I don't quite see way they could do it, which is a, of course, a positive thing for the Bitcoin.
0: I agree, and you know, uh, we talked a little bit about this on the pre-show, but uh, as these um, ASICs are coming online, you have uh, you have some we're going to talk about in a little bit, and we have uh, you know, all the all the, well, all the other guys are coming on. Basically, basically the ASIC miner guys, but the other guys are catching up too, and Avalon ships some, and these are all adding security to the network. They, These are all making the cost of competing and gaining control of the Bitcoin network by an outside party nearly impossible. Uh Now, you could make the argument that internal large groups, like some of the big pools, if they brought all their rigs online and really tried, they could probably gain a majority control of the network. And that is a very risky, scary reality. And if something ever happened to that pool, then we might have a problem. But it... it you you gotta you kind of already have to be all in at this point in order to to get any kind of leverage because these ASICs are are upping the ante at such an astronomical scale. These the Bitcoin computational network is getting to numbers that we just as 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 you know slightly evolved monkeys can barely understand. <laughs> yeah, it's getting really amazing. So
1: it's, it's uh, a big enough number where I don't know what it is the difficulty number.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I mean, I know I've I know we've even mentioned it on the show, but I, I honestly can't remember what it is. Uh, and it's it's always growing, and these and these guys are just going to add more and more to that all the time. With
1: yeah, know, and I think ASICs. the fear was like you know with with ASICs is that at least in the beginning there's going to be a concentration of a great deal of hashing power in a you know very concentrated like individual levels. But as of course what's going to happen is they're going to get cheaper as we're going to talk about, and you know more people can get it can get them because we're just at the very tip of the you know the, the distribution of ASICs across the network. That
0: right, yeah, th- and it's going like to level things out. And like I've mentioned on the show, um. I I feel like one of the reasons I bought into Butterfly Labs is even though I kind of expected them to flop, um, is because I like the idea of these sort of consumer accessible um, mining devices that I just sort of plug into my USB port, plug into the internet, and I sort of just sift from the stream. I help add to the distributedness of the network. I like the idea of contributing something, even if it's just a just a drop in the in the ocean. I like to contribute something to the Bitcoin network by distributing that computational validation and i think that's what's great about these asics and i think that's what's hopefully going to be great about butterfly labs type devices and these block eruptors so joey i think it's already impossible now for that to happen and i think it's getting even more impossible so don't worry about it joey don't stress yeah all right anonymous Ooh, like the anonymous you uh, think i don't
1: know oh okay no i don't remember making this <laughs> no.
0: okay anonymous writes in hi chris and drew if bitcoin be- uh, got popular enough How would this affect other countries' economies? If multiple large countries' economies weaken, would not Bitcoin's value decrease and therefore bring down the other countries? I would also think that the entire world using the same currency would hinder any one local economy from strengthening. What are your thoughts on this? For either Plan B or TechSnap, I would like an in-depth look at BitMessage. How does it work, and what is its advantages and disadvantages? One thing I think would be a disadvantage is if it works similar enough to Bitcoin would be that... In a world, in a year or two, it would take up a massive amount of memory on the drive. Keep up the good work, Matthias. So he kind of um, is operating on a couple big assumptions here. He says, uh, uh, if uh, multiple large uh, countries' economies weakens, would it not bring down the value of Bitcoin?
1: I think it would if if, the, if there was no, you know, because as countries like to do, especially ours, is when they go through economic uh, troubling times is they'd like to inflate the, their currency and that scares people out of holding their currency. So I would think that would increase the demand for Bitcoin. So, I mean, if you're assuming that Bitcoin would, would decrease at the same level because there would be the same uh, decreasing demand with Bitcoin rel- as with a dollar or whatever, then I would think you, you're going to see you know Bitcoin decline. But I think that Bitcoin offers a certain value outside of these kind of currencies that would increase its value as other econo- economies decline. Right. I think I, th- I, think a I big agree. Economic I think, issue. Yeah. He,
0: I think his mindset is sort of he's looking at the value of Bitcoin based on its uh, association with the dollar or whatever. The dollar, right? Yeah. yeah. And that that's sort of like that's that's a view of, that's a that is a, a symptom of its current stage of deployment and implementation right but as we'll evolve from that yeah exactly and it'll still probably be they'll still probably be you know that's it's going to be there because it's a commodity that's going to get traded against that other commodity it's still going to be a a, a value but it's not going to be it's not going to be like this big driver it's going to be much more distributed out so that's one thing you got to kind of rethink the way you're thinking about that but then he says uh wouldn't uh all economies using one currency sort of i guess his point is that one weaker economy would sort of drag everybody else down and I don't really, I don't really know of any uh, examples of that happening, but I don't really have much. And I don't really have any insights on that because that's not really an area that I've thought a lot about. I don't really think about Bitcoin in the context of replacing money everywhere. I, I think yeah, some people I, do. I don't see it happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, at s- all. I see it being accepted, sort of like a lot of other things get accepted everywhere, and I see it, you know, uh, uh, facilitating. As like more of the protocol aspect of it, facilitating transactions around the world, I see that for sure. Or you know, using it to denominate the transfer of money. So if I send somebody in in London money, maybe Bitcoin will be used on the back end to actually make the transfer, and it'll be converted once it hits their side. Uh, I could see it you know being used all around the world for things like that. But I always would imagine because it's such a fundamental tool for local governments to manipulate their economies and their country. I I can't imagine. I don't think the system works if they don't have those controls in place. And I just think it's too far of a pipe dream to think we're going to go that far, at least in our lifetimes.
1: Yeah, I don't see that coming. You know, like you said, in our lifetimes, I don't see that. I don't see Bitcoin as being the primary.
0: Yeah, that'd be fun.
1: Oh, it'd be nice. It'd be awesome. (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, and it would have the the, the price that it would bring it up to would, you know, we'd be jillionaires. So that'd be great, too. All right. Well, we've been teasing it for a little bit, Drew. Uh, you got a couple of weeks ago. You ordered those uh, USB block eruptors. You got them pretty quick. You got them like last week, right? But then you went on vacation.
1: right? Yeah, I was only I was only like two. I was at uh, when I bought them. I think it was like a two weeks ago or whatever. I was like uh, two hundred in the queue. I was order number two seventy seven. Okay. And uh, they they arrived on Friday. They they shipped pretty quick. They shipped from California, um, so I was pretty close to here. But I got back on Saturday and I didn't get them set up and working until Sunday. But I got, I, I got a mining on Windows 7, so I have a nice little guide here that's going to be uh, put in the show notes that uh, I kind of aggregate a bunch of different links um, for stuff that kind of gives you some background information, some side information, and then I, I kind of define the process that I, I went through the whole thing. So I got, I got uh, a mining on Windows 7 for about a day or two, and then um, I actually bought the wrong hub for my Raspberry Pi because my plan was to you know, mine them on my Raspberry Pi, but the, the hub I got didn't work for it. So I ordered a different one. Um, and, and we, uh, I'll, I'll be writing a different guide for the Raspberry Pi specifically, which I got to work to, uh, just today.
2: Oh, so Pi.
1: yeah. So it's no longer in my room. So, um, it's no longer, you know, heating up cause those things get pretty hot cause I, I, I turned it off and I pulled them out. They got, they got pretty hot. So you definitely need a fan on them, but, uh, I put, I just put them in a different room, got a little wireless adapter for the pie and, I'm uh, just watching it, uh, mine for me via SSH. Pretty nice.
0: So you just log into the Pi now and just bring up the, do you do like, do like in a screen session or how are you uh, keeping tabs on it?
1: I want to do a screen thing. Uh, I, I just started looking into that. I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to get that to work. I, yeah, I can't, okay. I have to SSH in order to execute the command and I can't, you know, turn this computer off from SSH or whatever uh, without also killing the process that's mining. So oh, uh, gotcha. in the next day or two, that's what I'll try to figure out is how to get the, uh, how to get it mining on boot. That's what I really want. So
0: you're talking, you got three of them. I had three. Yes. And you've, how much do you figure in coinage you've mined so far? Uh, I'm actually looking at it right here. Um, I've
1: been off and on because I've been messing with a lot of stuff, and I didn't get them on and, and moving also. it around
0: because of heat and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm you know switching computers and trying different things and all that. I'm at currently at point zero four four right, right now, and that and, was like only a couple days. I got yeah.
0: And these things are not. I mean, these things are being powered by the USB hub, so it's not like you're like wasting a ton of electricity doing this.
1: Right. They're not. They're, yeah. So since they're on the Pi, they're they're using very little, and yeah, they are powered by an external hub.
0: So, uh, and how much heat would you say? Like, it seems like enough. You had to move it out of your room, huh?
1: Um, I, I just wanted to do that just in case. Cause and I noticed my, you have
0: a fan mm, on them.
1: Yeah, I, I got a little fan on them. They don't, they don't generate that much. I can't really tell. Um, I could definitely tell when I had my GPU mining. But uh, oh
0: dude, it's like, a, it's like it's oh. like having a full on heater in your in your room. It,
1: it was, and yeah, yeah, once the summer rolled around, I was like, no way. So the only way that I could get, you know, I would do any mining like for me these days, cause my main computer is in my room, so that I'm in most of the time. So, you know, the ASIC stuff, and I, I, what, what what I hope to do is just. Because I mean they're going to be obsoleted pretty quickly given what we yeah. see from Avalon and, and yeah. Butterfly Labs, but yeah. they use such little power that um, I, don't even, I, did, I don't even take into account any like power usage. So right. I got them in another room and I hope to leave them there for like a year or two, like well, maybe that's what more. I'm like thinking, why not? Right? Like, they're not really using anything.
0: Exactly, exactly. And in a, in a way, with very low cost to yourself, you're picking up the dust and you're helping the network. Uh, I, I like this. I like this a lot. I, I, I think it's so like when you put, when you held, if you held your hand over them, would you feel the heat coming off of them?
1: Um, barely. E- even if you touch them, like on the, like touch them on the sides or like there's a little, I guess like a little cooling panel. Yeah. Um, I, they were mining full blast for hours. I turned off the hub and I pulled them out within a minute of turning it off and you know, they they were hot, but I could, I could pull them out and I wasn't, you know, fumbling. I wasn't no hot potato or anything. They so weren't that.
0: So with three of them, you're getting almost a giga hash. Yep. And, and so they're
1: f- actually accurate too. So that the the spec- like the, the specifications for three thirty three hashes per second per unit um, those are accurate. So I ha- yeah I have all that stuff in the uh, all the instructions to get. And to it that.
0: seems like uh, I, I see one of the things that was always a pain in the ass with mining under Linux was getting the OpenCL crap to work right.
1: That's yeah. I wanted to run an Arch before, but I couldn't because exactly OpenCL. So I had yeah. to do it with Windows, and I don't want to leave my PC on all the time because right. I'm just I'm still not one of those guys. I always shut down every night.
0: So you I'm throw on of. a Pi, that's pulling you know 11 watts of power itself or whatever it is. And then you throw these on there, and you can do it under Linux. You can do it. Um, This is really cool, and you know these things are just going to get faster. And and theoretically, you could just like keep adding on, right? You just buy faster ones and add more, buy faster ones and add more. Like you could, I mean, the Pi will eventually probably run out of USB bandwidth, but you could like this. I love this idea. And it seems like it only took you like a week to get them. So you could, you could just keep adding more, I guess.
1: I was thinking about that. I, I don't know. I might wait eventually for, for like the the bigger ASICs to kind of, you know, be available for me, <laughs> I guess, everybody, for, to be available for everybody else. So um, I don't know if I'll be, cause there's, they got like a thousand a unit backordered on BTC gold oh, USB okay. things. So there's a lot of demand for them. So I don't know if I'm gonna be getting any because I'm just worried. You know, once these Avalons come online and once the BFLs really start opening up, that these will be pretty pretty quickly obsoleted. So I'll probably wait. I'll probably use some of these coins in the future to buy you know a, a, a higher capacity ASIC miner. But that that hub that um, was displayed in the picture on the uh, yeah my little post there. The plus the old hub. I'm returning that one because uh, it doesn't work on the Pi. But I got oh. a different one where you can actually fit more.
0: How the uh, hell did you find? How did how did you find a freaking USB hub that is incompatible with the Raspberry Pi? How does that even happen? Universal Serial <sighs> Bus, my friend. Uh, that, yeah, well, it's a USB 3.0. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, that that kind of makes sense. <laughs> I, I was I was a little hasty when I bought it. I, that's why I,
1: I screwed up. I I could have just researched it because these links have a bunch of different stuff for like hubs that actually work on the Raspberry Pi and wireless adapters that work on the Pi. And, and
0: what that. did you say your total money invested was? Uh, just
1: well, three bitcoins and a twenty dollar USB hub.
0: Oh, three That's bitcoins. It. Okay. I, was, I kept thinking. Yeah, I bought mines. them for Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, cool. So, you know, currently 300 bucks. All right. And well. I'm just going to leave them forever. So, I mean, they're not going to generate that much, but overall, I think I might be able to get a, a, an okay return.
0: Yeah. So no regrets, it sounds like. Yeah. And I don't have to worry
1: about heat and I'll just leave it over there, over another room for a couple years and <laughs> it's all good.
0: Very nice. All right. Well, uh, why don't we uh, transition from the feedback to the discussion this week? I just want to remind folks, you can contact the show. You can email us plan B at jupiterbroadcasting.com or even better, leave us a voicemail. 1-352-587-5262. That's 1-352-58-PLAN-B. Also, if you gonna go spend some of your fancy fiat dollars, <laughs> I want to remind you that we have our uh, affiliate links at the bottom of our website for Amazon and Netflix and Newegg and ThinkGeek and Best Buy. And we have extensions for Chrome and Firefox. I'm plugging this right now because I just got done buying this morning nine terabytes of those Western Digital uh, Red drives. I'm, I've, I like those, uh, the NAS ones. Yeah, I've lost three drives over the last week, so I lost the array. I thought it was two drives. Turns out I lost three drives. Yeah. <laughs> And so like, you know, doesn't matter if you got ZFS or whose file system, no file system is really going to do well, at least in, in the setup I had. So I could, I just, I'm just mentioning this because uh, funds are low at the moment. I, I, I spent, I wanted to buy 12 terabytes. Uh, that's actually the storage amount that I need. So right now I'm just sort of replacing what I lost. Uh, and so funds are low. So if you're going to do some shopping, I would appreciate it if you would use our affiliate links at the bottom of our site. You'll find links down there. If you just click those before you shop, it'll automatically tag your shopping session or You can uh, install those Firefox or Chrome extensions and automatically tags it for you. Also, if you would like to contribute to our show using your Bitcoins, friends, we have links in our show notes for each episode of Plan B. You go over there and you'll see uh, a little barcode. You can donate to the main show address. But if you particularly liked an episode of any show right now, I'm trying out this uh, really pretty convenient uh, plug-in here at the bottom of the site. that says, did you like this episode? Tip in Bitcoin, if you use that address it'll contribute your Bitcoin um, uh, contribution to that particular episode, which kind of gives us a meter of what shows you guys liked the most. And we kind of look back at the records and say, okay, well, these topics generated X amount of donations, these topics didn't, and it kind of helps us sort through things. It's sort of like the real fine way to tell. So that's a great way you can also contribute. And right now, I don't know if I'm going to keep it. I'm kind of gauging to see how people like this. This is at the bottom of every episode of every show on Jupiter Broadcasting, just to kind of see what you guys think. I'm trying to also just get Bitcoin in people's faces, even if it's on a non-Bitcoin show. Yeah, I have my motivations. So that's another way you can contribute to the production of our shows. It is much appreciated, and especially times right now when I have been going through hardware replacements like never before in the last month. Uh, I-, I can't believe how much I've spent on hardware. It's sort of um, emptied the account. So we could use your support, and we'd appreciate it. Thank you guys very much.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so I want to talk about Listen to Bitcoin. This is a bit of a bummer story. I don't know if you caught this, Drew. I know we've talked about Listen to Bitcoin. Yeah, we had it so,
1: like in the early days of the show.
0: Because it's super cool. That's why I wanted to mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, alert people to this. The The uh, listen ListenToBitcoin.com website was sold um, a little while ago uh, to a new owner. There was not any notification put on the Listen to Bitcoin website. However, this week, our weekend... People started noticing when they browsed to listen to bitcoin.com, they started getting malware warnings in their web browser. And oh. that was sort of like this moment where people went, well, hey, what's going on? So they started a thread in the Bitcoin subreddit. And the owner of Listen to Bitcoin, or the former, former owner of Listen to Bitcoin.com, came into the subreddit and said, oh, yeah, uh, I sold it. Yeah, I'm over at bitlisten.com now. And that's sure. another owner. And, uh, you know, I sold it to him. I didn't know he was doing that. So go to bitlisten.com and use that. Huh. So you just, you just bought the code somewhere else? Well, yeah. So the code is open source and it's up on GitHub. And malware, he did right note when, when the website was sold on his GitHub account that it had been sold. Uh, but nobody was checking the GitHub account. Everybody was just going to the uh, listen to bitcoin.com website, right?
1: It, it'd be interesting to see like what, what I yeah what you're talking about on the pre-show about what kind of malware this is. Is this... Uh, targeted to Bitcoin specifically, perhaps?
0: I think it's just ma- Windows malware, to be just honest with stuff? you. Yeah. Uh, you think that somebody who
1: somebody that would purchase that would target Bitcoin specifically? Maybe.
0: It seems actually... So let's talk about that for a second, because that seems pretty clever. You know, you go in, you find some popular Bitcoin website that maybe could use a little cash. And I think at the time he sold, his traffic was beginning to drop off, Is according to the comments he made in the subreddit. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, and it sounds like, you know, traffic is trailing off, Bitcoin price was going down. Maybe this is an overall trend. Maybe I should get out now and make a little money while I can. Mm, Right. And then I'll go set up bitlisten.com and people can check that out. And if I'm a malware author, I'm thinking, I'll make this great piece of malware. I'll go buy a popular Bitcoin website. I'll target their wallets. Right? Some Java exploit or something like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's what I would have done if I was a nefarious person purchasing some Bitcoin website.
0: Which then brings the question, did... Did Max know that? did the owner of did he know that maybe by selling to somebody like this and he didn't get their name, he didn't get their identity? Uh, it was a fairly you know quick transaction. Um, did he maybe suspect that this person was buying it for nefarious purposes? or did this site just accidentally get malware and got flagged by the um, you know browser scanning uh, services?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm.
0: It's kind of hard to know. It's kind of hard to know like what the actual scenario is. But here, I'll read you his response that he posted in the uh, Bitcoin subreddit. He says, "Hi everyone, I'm the guy who developed and launched ListenToBitcoin.com about a month ago. I sold the domain ListenToBitcoin.com to a stranger on the internet. They paid up front, so I didn't give the sale much thought." I never expected them to put malware there. After selling a domain, I moved the fork to my own project, bitlisten.com, and I own and I can personally guarantee it's legitimate. I changed the project's GitHub source code page to reflect the change of ownership of the last domain. To be absolutely clear, I do not own or operate to listen to bitcoin.com. He says, I "I want to stress that I feel bad that the new domain owner has let this happen, but since I no longer own the domain, there's nothing I can do except to ask you to start using the new official bitlisten.com site instead. Also, I want to stress that Listen to Bitcoin has always been free, open-source software, MIT license, and that anybody can download, modify, and host their own version without permission. That's kind of cool. We should do that. Oh, yeah. Um, he goes on, spends the. what well, looks like probably his entire evening defending himself in the Bitcoin subreddit. Um, people were pretty mad. He, you know, they say that this is, a, this is harming the Bitcoin community.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I could see that, that he just made like a little brash decision. Didn't, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I would assume that, that somebody would have purchased that nefarious, you know, just specifically for nefarious purposes to do this kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I, I he should be cut some slack, you know, yeah. he should have, maybe should have told some people or announced it in the subreddit or something, you know, I that think I'm, I'm selling it. I think it.
0: that's, you know, or a notice the on the website, area. you know, under right. new management.
1: It might've impacted that, you know, the price that he could have paid for it by driving people away from that site though, you know.
0: I mean, it's, maybe maybe it's, he didn't do it. Yeah. It's really kind of an odd thing where somebody comes in and buys a website and all of the hosting and the server. Like, I'm not, I don't feel like we have a clear picture of what happened here because when you buy a domain name, you don't just then also get the website and all the code that's hosted on that. True, domain. true. You don't get the server unless you buy all of it together, and that seems like a, you know, that's the kind of transaction where you're like, why does the person want to do that? Yeah,
1: alarm bells. Yeah, definitely. But. Uh, so anyways, we, just, we always have Listen to bitcoin. We can still go there. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> if
1: yeah, you yeah.
0: want your uh, juvenile entertainment and I do and I do. Uh and so just kind of as a public service announcement to you guys out there. We've talked about it before. So stop going to listen to bitcoin.com. If you want to still go to the um original author site, you can go to bitlisten.com. We did uh invite Max on the show today to chat about this. Uh he couldn't make it work. Uh but he's he communicated with us via email. So, you know, I, I I, I kinda see where you come. I kinda see I, I can kinda see like if I had some sort of big Bitcoin project that I thought, you know, everything was going south, I maybe he was under hard times, maybe he was tempted to sell. I, I don't know. I think I think a simple notification on the website would have just solved a lot of this.
1: True, yep, agreed.
0: All right, Mr. True. Let's move right along. There was a very interesting uh quote that I picked up out of the uh Bitcoin London conference that was a couple of weeks back. And um, the quote was, we have, entered, "We have entered the compliance stage of Bitcoin's development cycle." And the Bitcoin has gone through major development cycles. You know, there's that early adopter stage where they're just getting the technology worked out. Then there was the building the infrastructure for some of the early exchanges, and and sort of the early tech consumers got on, sort of more mainstream. And now we've entered this stage where we're we're, we're figuring out how to make Bitcoin compliant in certain areas, so that way we can go for mainstream compliance adoption. it was an interesting progression that this guy kind of laid out. So I decided I'd I'd clip um, a a few uh, choice moments from uh, that conference. And we'd run through some of them. I also happened to hit at the same time an article from All Things D, which I... I've been kind of interested. It seems like All Things D backed off on their Bitcoin coverage a lot. They were, they were heavy earlier on, and then they kind of just went silent on Bitcoin, and now they're back on the scene. All Things D is a branch of the Wall Street Journal, so that's why it's kind of notable that they're talking about this. Uh-huh. Um, and they say that uh, for, B, for VCs, and this kind of jives with what I was hearing out of this conference, for VC venture capitalists, there's no sexier word than compliance. Now, I I don't know if I agree with that, but I guess the big thing that before you get VC funded by any of these guys is you need to have all your banking stuff figured out. You got to get that straightened out. Yep. Or else they're not even going to talk to you because you're too much of a risk, according to these guys. And that's interesting because some of the rising stars in the Bitcoin economy, uh, there was a lively discussion and they said that uh, regulation is a huge problem. And we've always talked about how it could hinder the U.S., but it turns out U.S. regulation also impacts just Bitcoin users in other countries. So I want to play this clip for you, and then we'll chat.
2: So um, we're focused on operating in the U.S. I think the U.S. is a huge market, and in order to operate in the U.S. and attract U.S. customers, you're going to need to be compliant. And
0: this is the uh, speaking at first. Here is the CEO of uh, Trade Hill.
2: Like Eric said, you can comply with U.S. law. It's just extremely difficult. It's probably the most difficult in the world to comply with. Um, so we are doing. We are taking that approach. Uh, for one thing, we have eight attorneys, which is. Terrible. Um, we have more attorneys than we do coders, uh, which will change soon. Which is terrible for a tech company. Um, so yeah, like you said, you you. I wouldn't. It's very difficult for a Bitcoin startup to form in the U.S. because first off, you're going to have to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars just to just to essentially buy this compliance. On top of that, it takes it could take years to get this compliance taken care of as well. Uh, we've been dealing with it for for more than a year. Um, so, I don't know, that's our approach to it. It's definitely uh, walk the line. So.
0: He says they've raised millions in order to do this. And that he says, while well, that's awful in one sense, because you have to be able to raise millions of dollars. It at least gives you a path. So if you are somebody who has the capability of doing that, there is at least now a path for you to follow. And that's an interesting way to look at it. And the conversation continues. Um, so I've seen the development of Bitcoin in three stages, so the first stage was just to this is the CEO of Bitstamp. have um, solid, secure exchanges, and then the next stage was bring it to mainstream, and the third stage is bring it to mainstream compliantly. So what we do is we do our best, but the exchange service is basically doing one thing, and that is bridging the traditional financial system with the cryptocurrency. So the cryptocurrency part of our business is not yet regulated, so there is no regulation to comply with. But we do comply with the traditional financial system, so we are. Doing our best to um, enforce KYC checks, AML policies to our customers, and to keep that part of our business compliant as possible. But there's no overall regulation or overall compliance. Hopefully that will change. Uh, for us, it's pretty simple as we don't
1: touch any traditional money. No, I don't think that's money, but anyway.
0: <laughs> so, This is the guy that operates uh, LocalBitcoins.com, I believe.
1: Uh, so I, uh, for, for me, I, I think that if, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to do something related to Bitcoin, just go for it. Don't worry about the regulations. Just do it and worry about it later. <laughs> this is market which uh, is really fast moving. And I, I think everything that slows you down is... Spoken
2: uh... like a true entrepreneur. So, so is, 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 is regulation and compliance good, bad, different? do you want more or less... The US regulations is a
0: problem for non-US companies. It's it's actually a very big problem for any non-US company. If you... And now this guy speaking here, uh, he is um, working for the first wallet service that's uh, going to be provided in uh, I believe African nations. It's it's uh, I forget the name of it right now, but it's uh, the name of his company is Kenyan for Wallet. And uh, so they are rolling out a wallet, Bitcoin wallet services in areas that don't have traditional uh, computer infrastructure systems, traditional fin- even traditional financial systems where they're very, very mobile heavy, but they're not smartphone heavy. That's his job. And now he's going to talk about how just the regulations in the U.S. affect his business that is completely outside and removed from the U.S. Have any kind of U.S. US customers or you take if you manage an exchange between a non-U.S.
1: person and a U.S. person. And U.S. person is not just a guy with a U.S. passport. It, it's a very complicated thing. If you if you manage
0: a $1 transaction, you are bound by U.S. regulations. Um, and that's a problem. So we're actively blocking U.S. customers both by IP blocking them
1: and blocking U.S. phone numbers because we require phone number to open account.
0: How about that, huh? That sucks. I know. I know. It's 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 uh, it's almost the opposite of, what was it, Jack, who asked about the U.S. sort of co-opting uh, Bitcoin? <laughs> it's almost the opposite, is we're getting willfully walled off in some yeah. regards.
1: Yeah, the regulation that currently exists is excluding all this stuff from, from functioning.
0: Yeah, and then they go to talk about how, uh, so there's not just the aspect of having to, you buy your way to compliance in the United States. Then, Eight
1: attorneys. Eight
0: I know. lawyers. I know, that's Eight. Trade Hill. That's Trade Hill. Wow. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Put
0: that in perspective. Um, and so he, he, he says that uh, Eric um, was saying Eric Venise, or how you say his last name? He was commenting that even once you buy your way to compliance, you then spend so much time and money and resources on self auditing, self validating, reporting back to the authorities, checking things out. Like it's, it's like you have to build this entire branch of your business to sustain those requirements.
1: And that has to be basically your primary focus if you're functioning within the U.S., right? Yep. Because so, you know I, mean? I, th- I would think that that would take the, or that would not take a backseat relative to the actual providing goods and services from what they're all talking about, right? Because yep. they're having to ded- dedicate so many resources so, and so many people to just, just being able to function legally that, you know. You're stifling all the other innovation that can evolve with that, with those funds.
0: So you got you got the CEO of Trade Hill, you got the CEO, the co-founder of uh, Kipshi, I think it's pronounced. You got uh, the CEO of Bitstamp. You got Eric Var, who's the and the guy who's currently running up Coinapult right now. A uh, bunch of other known, well known for a bunch of other things. Um, you've got uh, the co-founder of Vernie Goble. They're all sitting on the stage, and you know what they all agreed on. Can you can you take a wild guess as to the one topic they all agreed on? Uh,
1: That the U.S. regulation sucks?
0: Well, okay. Yeah, you got me there. (laughs) Touche, sir. No, besides that. Besides that. Take a wild guess. I'll give you you a hint. It's light. Some people call it feathery. And there's lots of different names for them. Altcoins? Altcoins. They all agreed that altcoins have a very bright future. In fact, the CEO of Trade Hill says that Trade Hill has every intention of supporting alternative cryptocurrencies. Nice. Yeah, they all are bullish on them. In fact... Uh, Not just them, Uh, Bitcoin developer Jeff uh, Garzik was uh, interviewed by uh, Coindesk, and he was asked about uh, his, his thoughts on the impact of ASICs and the impact of altcoins on Bitcoin. And Drew, his quote, they're fantastically a good thing, he said. Experimentation is wonderful. It's been disappointing that the overwhelming majority of altcoins have all been pump and dumps, <laughs> and those <laughs> kinds of schemes. He calls the fir- he calls them first generation of coins, but thinks the landscape for altcoins is maturing. Now, this is a core developer of Bitcoin. Okay, nice. And he yeah. thinks it's the future is bright for altcoins. And he also goes on to say that he thinks Asics are uh, kind of a great thing. He says why Asics will rule the world, and that's no bad thing. He says it's fascinating to watch the progression of mining technology. Who was one of the first to take a delivery of an Avalon ASIC miner? He says it now runs at home. He believes that the evolution of ASICs makes the market less. Democratic, because it makes GPU miners less effective and increases the cost of basic mining power. He digresses. During this GPU era of mining, it was one mining company, ATI, which primarily the supplier of all the mining's hardware. It was an ATI supply disruption, or if, or if there was a pricing problem, then it directly affected the GPU mining profits. With ASICs, there are more companies selling chips, and the barrier to entry of making these chips are very low. Kind of mm-hmm. goes on to say that... Uh, um, the more ASIC mining power the network gets, the better off it'll be. You have a lot of mining power that is being spread around by many miners across the entire world, he says. And he's arguing that it decentralizes the mining process. More mining power makes it more difficult to reverse the Bitcoin transaction. It's more, The more widely spread that is, the more difficult it is to shut down Bitcoin itself. A point we've made on this show. Yep. Uh, so there you go. Uh, you got a lot of people these days who seem to be uh, speaking very positively towards altcoins.
1: I like that because I'm holding a uh, plenty
0: <laughs> and I keep watching um the uh, investor discussion threads, and a lot of people are are looking at what uh, what Litecoin is doing to sort of project w- uh, the kind of pressure that Bitcoin is about to see, and when you start to they're starting to trend price behaviors in Litecoin and then map those to projections of Bitcoin. no idea if that process is gonna work out. sometimes they go down these routes and and they they flop. but here we are seven days after our last show. Price is looking a lot better. It's at ninety seven thirty. Things have gone up. And you know what I did? Bought more? I bought some bitcoins.
1: Oh, me too. I'm actually gonna get some in tomorrow.
0: Oh, my so favorite place. You're yeah. not using the new instant feature of Coinbase, I take it.
1: Uh, I bought I think I bought them the day before that was announced.
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> You know how I roll. Yeah, that's well, then you got it at a good price at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so. that, uh, I think I bought again. I uh, bought uh, the day that they announced this, or the day after. No, I bought it the day after. So if you haven't, if you haven't heard the news, folks, uh, the website that Drew and I have sort of switched over for doing our Bitcoin purchases 100%. altogether is uh, Coinbase.com, and they have made instant Bitcoin purchases possible. If you connect your bank account and you become a level two verified account holder, then uh, you can log in right into the Coinbase account, go to the buy button and just buy as many big Well, like up to a 1,000 or something, 10,000 Bitcoins right then and there, instantly. It takes about an yeah. hour before you can actually spend them because they don't announce it to the network right away, but...
1: Maybe it's a consequence of the uh, the VC capital that we've seen um, injected in the Coinbase to give them some kind of room to you know, let people buy more coins you know, quickly, right?
0: I tried to get one of these guys to come onto the show, but I couldn't nail anyone of them down because my question is, is are they pre-buying a S-load of Bitcoins and then... Or like, are they buying maybe? In, are they buying in bulk? Are there, is are there people sitting behind Coinbase doing trading? Is there like some <laughs> awesome job where you just buy and sell bitcoins all day for Coinbase? Because that could be so fun.
1: I'd be scared to death. Well, I would instantly fail. But yeah, <laughs> it would be fun until I fail.
0: Um, so this is, I think, slightly responsible for a, a increase in price. Is this um, uptick? This uh, this instant buy is soaking up more of the bitcoins that are on the market. I went and used it. I bought two. And you go through a verification process. It looks up your public records, uh, um, credit report or something. That's another question I have for them. And then it asks you like, hey, did you live here? You know, what street did you live by? What color was your car? It just asks you all these weird questions that you're like, God, it's creepy. They know this stuff, but they must. And then you answer those questions and then boom, you're verified. And right then there, you can buy.
1: Awesome. So you just, it just, once you finish that, you didn't have to wait for any period of time for any like yeah, It's not like Gox
0: where you had to wait two uh-huh. weeks to get verified. And by the time they verified you, the entire economy had collapsed and it wasn't worth it. Oh, look at who's getting beaten by innovation here. Oh, mm-hmm, very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, and it enables that late night drunken purchase too. Like, uh, you know, you've had a few beers and Bitcoin's price is going down and you're like, ah, oh, screw it. I'm going to do it right now. Uh, I, I don't know. I think this is really kind of huge because it, it makes funding your internet fun account instantly available. Uh, Coinbase co- co-founder uh, Fred Ingersman, I don't know, See, he should come on the show that way I know how to, that way I know how to pronounce it, it. Yeah. confirmed that there was an anti-money laundering move behind the extra level of verification. So this is how they're sort of uh, identifying this. You also have to supply them with the last four digits of your social security numbers, so I guess US only. They also need to answer questions based on information of the public record, such as the color of your last car. This is the same kind of verification procedure attached to opening a new bank brokerage account or lifting the limits on a PayPal account. Sounds legit. Yeah, Um, let's see the the uh, yeah. So you're you're before you you had like a you know up to a ten day wait, often a four day wait to get your Bitcoin. Now you're down to an hour, realistically. Yeah,
1: yeah, because I think I ordered mine on like last Thursday, I think, and so they're supposed to arrive tomorrow. So the next time that I would buy, I'll be buying Bitcoins from Coinbase. I'm going to. I love it because you
0: can just you know, uh, I it just it it for me. I, I know I could probably get a slightly better deal maybe if i if I played you know the market just right and I bought it at the right time, I could probably get maybe a little more for my buck, but honestly i don 't feel like i 've ever been screwed by the coinbase price, and there 's like a now if you buy instantly there's like a two percent fee or something there's a there's a there's a fee a transaction fee associated with it okay but uh, i 've never felt like i 've been taken advantage of on price uh, i 've always felt like when I've bought it it was actually lower than the price being quoted by Gox the current price right. every right. time, so i, I don 't know. Uh, but we'll see. You'll see. I, I think this is a this is a huge move because one of the things we've talked about is the barrier to entry to getting Bitcoin. Um, it's still a little still a little hoopy, but it's much better now. So hats off to the Coinbase guys. Go great work. And you guys can go to Coinbase.com and set up an account if you want to grab some quick Bitcoins. And it, the the other thing that was really that's really kind of great about Coinbase is their UI, very easy to use. Right, right. And uh, you know, easy enough for non-Bitcoin users to uh, figure it out. All right. Well. Before we get to our Bitcoin picks of the week, there was one other clip I wanted to play. And this one is sort of uh, special, probably to the Jupiter Broadcasting audience more so than others. Richard Stallman was being interviewed. And uh, the the interviewer asked him his thoughts on Bitcoin.
2: What do you make of the whole Bitcoin concept? Well, Bitcoin seems like a a solution to some problems but it's not anonymous I think we need a payment system where the payer is anonymous the payee doesn't have to be anonymous but it has to be set up so you can pay to access a web page and do so anonymously.
0: But is there such thing as complete anonymity?
2: Well there is in theory but I'm not saying we need total anonymity we need anonymity for the one who's paying to access the website however it's okay if the website operators are not anonymous in receiving this money after all we want them to pay their taxes
0: so there you go to, to rms he says interesting and i guess he actually talks about bitcoin a fair amount when he's publicly speaking but he doesn't think it's anonymous enough that actually sounds like a solvable problem yeah it seems like it um but interesting thoughts, it, you know, Richard Stallman has been getting a lot of airplay re- recently uh, in the On RT, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I-, I think it's, you know, he was he was over there with Assange and he's been, you know, making the headlines. Oh, yeah. So uh, that is interesting to follow uh, Richard Stallman, the creator of uh, the GNU system. And uh, obviously somebody who um, carries a lot of weight in the tech community. All right. Bitcoin pick time, ladies and gentlemen. It's called Coined Up, and it's a free crypto-only currency exchange, and that's its big differentiator, crypto-only. This uh, was sent into an email to plan B at jupiterbroadcasting.com by the lead developer, or maybe the only developer. And He's created an exchange, a very simple, straightforward platform. It's definitely, I think, targeted at tech folks. Definitely. <laughs> to trade between the different cryptos. And he's able to bypass a huge amount of regulation issues although he's still investigating that uh because he's not ever dealing in the fiat currencies and i like that he uh you don't he's not holding your username and password he's not doing a a local database of all that he's just tying in with either google id or uh, or open id so i think that's a good system because one of the problems is a lot of these guys who set up exchanges you know then their username and password database can get compromised not a problem here I think it's cool that it's just sort of the straightforward platform to exchange cryptocurrencies directly between people, and it's free. There's no fees as of yet. And, there, and he, you know when asked, why are you doing it for free? What's the angle? His response is, well, we just want to build and establish trust now and get people using the service, and then we'll build on top of the service sort of some freemium services is kind of, like, I think, the line of his thinking, although nothing's really firmed up. So it's called Coined Up, and you can find it at CoinedUp.com, and it is a very straightforward, simple way... To set up and exchange currencies directly from person to person without having to worry about creating a new account somewhere else and having yet another set of usernames and passwords. So, uh, great work, guys, and uh, keep up the work on Coined Up. Indeed. All right, Drew. Is there anything else we should cover before we get out of here this week? I don't believe so. You, uh, you're not uh, um, burning up over there, are you? Uh, uh, it's getting kind Get of a little little warm <laughs> alright alright well I understand we'll wrap it up then alright folks well don't forget you can email us B at jupiterbroadcasting.com join us live Tuesdays 2pm Pacific 5pm Eastern 9pm uh, GMT over at jblive.tv we've got the subreddit planbshow.reddit.com and we'd love to hear you there too drew man i hope uh, you stay out of the hot weather and keep uh, mining those bitcoins
1: oh i will keep mining yes sir <laughs> all
0: right everyone well thank you so much for tuning in this week's episode of plan b i want to remind you to go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com calendar to stay up to date my wife's about to pop out the third one so you never know we could have some schedule disruptions but you can stay up to date on the calendar all right everyone thank you so much see you right back here next week